Let's go, let's go, We are learning Le'ili Nishmas, my mother, Imim Rasi Nechabas Chaim Zaydol. We're learning Le'ili Nishmas, all the Kedoshim, Arachim Nukol Beis Yisrael, who have been taken from us since October 7th. It should be Farlias Nishmasam. And also, we learn for Bezichus, our Chayalim, they should be victorious very soon to eradicate the evil of Hamas and all of our enemies very, very soon, speedily in our days. Okay, we are at the bottom of Yud Dalad Amid Aleph 14a. We have just gone through, we're explaining the seven uh, women who received prophecy, the prophetesses of our of our um, nation. Who were they? Let's just go through the list. We had Sarah, Miriam, Devorah, Chana, Avigail, Chulda, and Esther. And now we're up to Avigal. So quickly, just to recap, we had Sarah was a uh, a nevuah because, as the Gemara said, of this idea of Yiska, that she saw the ruah uh, with ruach hakodesh. She had this like divine spirit, and Hashem said to Avram, "Listen to Sarah." Miriam. It actually says in the pasuk that Miriam Hanaviah. We have Devorah. Also, it says that she was a nevuah. So there's really no need to uh, expound and and prove that she was. That she received prophecy, and then we had number four was Chana, and with Chana she prophesied about with this Ramah Karni that those who are elevated with the horn, meaning they are anointed by the oil of the horn, their kingdom will last forever, and that was David and Shlomo Hamelach. And then there was a beautiful teaching at the very end of last episode where she says, There is no rock like our God, but you're supposed to read it as Tsayir. There's no fashioner, uh, for one who fashions like our God because Hashem is able to form uh, a one with to form a tsura within another tsura, to form a fetus within a womb and place within it life and everything that our body is made of. Okay, but now we're up to number five, Avigail. Abigail says, within the lifetime of David HaMelech, Abigail was the wife of Naval, Naval, and he was someone who rebelled, so to speak, uh, against David HaMelech right before he became king, but he was told by Shmuel that he would be king. And Abigail was his wife who, in a way, saved his life, saved Naval's life. So let's see. Abigail, as it writes, we are three lines from the bottom. As it writes, this is in Shmuel, Aleph, Perichav, Hei, Pasuk, Chav. It says, And she was riding on the donkey, and she was descending by the Seser Hahar, by the concealment of the mountain. So the Gemara asks, What does this mean? The concealment of the heart should have said that she was coming down from the mountain. Amar Rabbi Bar Shmuel. So Rabbi Bar Shmuel says, "What does this mean?" Al iske dam habamin hastarim. She actually was coming down the mountain regarding something connected to the blood, which is from the min hastarim, from the concealed places. She was really going to ask David about dam nida. What happened? Natla dam verasalo. She took a dam nida. She took a cloth with blood of a menstrual blood, the Harasalo, and she showed it to David Hamelach. Amar lo. So David Hamelach said to Avigail, "Vichimarin dam balayla," is if Avigail was bringing the blood to ask a halachic question: Is this blood pure or is it impure? Is it tummy or is it tahor? So David Hamelach said to her, "Do we even look? Are we allowed to look at blood at night? It's dark. You, the the lighting, the shades will, will be 
all confused with if, it, if it's really, you can't really see the real appearance of the blood. So how can, you can't really ask the question at nighttime. So Amr so she said to him, Oh, if that be the case, David Melech, do we do we judge capital punishment at night, which seems to be what David Melech was about to do towards her husband, Naval, to kill him? So Amr let's turn the page. So David Melech says to her, we're on Yedalad Amabez, Mor B'Malchusu. Naval, he was someone who rebelled against the kingdom. And you don't even need it to go through any case of judgment because the punishment is right there. If you rebel against the king, you're killed without any due process whatsoever. So Amrlo, so then uh, Abigail said back to David Amalek, Adain Shaul Kaim Veloyatza Tabecha Baolam. She said to him, wait a second, Shaul, he's still the king right now. Granted, you know, David Amalek, you were told by Shmuel you would be the king, but Shaul is still the king right now, and your seal is not in the world yet. You're like Taba'at, your seal is not in the world to be deemed as king, so you really can't take into your own hands this rule of Mor B'Malchus. You cannot kill him. So Amar So then David Amalek says back to Abigail, this is in Shmuel Aleph, Perik Chafhe, Pasuk Lamed Gimel, David Amalek says, Baruch Tamacha Uverucha at Asher Kilisani Hayomaze Mevo Bidamim. So he said, Blessed is your discretion, and blessed are you, which has, you have uh, stopped me from coming to drawing blood or bringing me to blood, meaning like uh, bloodshed. So now the Gubara asks, Damim Tarti Mashma. Why did David Amalek say Damim? You have. Stop me from this destruction of bloods. You should have said blood. Why Why do we have dummy implying two bloods? So now one, you could say from this point that she came based to ask David a question about Damnida, the blood of the menstrual blood, and also to save him from spilling the blood of Novel by killing him. So Ella, but rather Gemara is going to actually teach something else. Ella Melamed, Shagilsa as a Shoka, it's coming to teach us that Avigal showed David Melech her thigh, the Holach Leura Gimel Parsos, and David Melech had such a burning uh, desire inside of him to have Avigal at that moment that he was like shot. He was like he ran away. Gimel Parsos, uh, many miles it seems. Gimel Parsos is around twelve mil, which is maybe around nine miles. Let's say this is, of course, a Medrash. But it's like he had this burning desire that he just like, he, he wanted her so badly at that moment in time. So then David Amalekh said, Amar Allah, he said to her, he shmili, listen to me, meaning he wanted to be intimate with her because it's a burning desire that he had. So Amar Allah, so she, Abigail, said to him, this is from Shmuel Aleph, Perik Chafei Pasuk Lamed Aleph, it says, she said, zos kazos. She said, don't let this, Zos, don't let this, be to you a pukazos, a stumbling block for you. So miklazos, okay, so lotiela zos lechal puka. Don't let this be a stumbling block for you. So now the word zos, this miklal diikachrisi. That implies that there was another, another scenario where there was a stumbling block for David Amalek. Umayniu, what was that? Ma'isa the Bathsheba. It was the story of Bathsheba that he succumbed to that temptation to be with Bathsheba. And then the Gemara says, Maskana hachi have. And the, the result was actually Maskana, that it, the answer was that this actually happened. So now, what does this imply? This implies, in a way, that Abigail was some type of Nevoah. She had prophecy. She knew that David Amalek would eventually, in the future, use this as a stumbling block. Now, you see from here 
that there's the damim, right? It seems like the damim might also be referred to as that passion that David Amalek had. There was two damims that David Amalek had to overcome, a stumbling block, and this one he overcame. And then it continues. This is a Pasuk Tess. She says, And it should be the soul of my master should be bound up in the bond of life. Like, overcome this, and there should be life for, for David Amalech. And then, Then when Abigail left David Amalech, she said to him, Amra She said to him, this is uh, later on in that pasuk. And it should be good. Hashem should be good to my master when it's good and when it's well for my master. And you shall remember this, your maidservant. So it's very interesting. So Abigail is there to protect her husband at the time, but she's also like kind of planting a seed of David Amalek, you should remember me. Okay, so Amr of Nachman, so Rav Nachman says based on this pasuk, this is what people generally say, that when a woman, when she's in the midst of talking, she also holds the spindle. She's, uh, you know, crocheting, let's say. She's doing two things at once. That She's talking to save Naval, but in the end, she's also kind of hinting to the fact that, you know, if my husband dies, don't forget about me that I could be your wife. And you could there are those who say as well, just to give another saying that uh, represents what Avigal was doing here. Shafil ve'azil bar avza, that the um, the goose they like kind of lower their heads and they go ve'enohi mitaife, but their eyes they peer uh, forward, they peer after something that they're looking for, right? So her head's down, so quote unquote, so so to speak, to save Navel, but her eyes are looking to the future that ultimately maybe she will be the wife of Dovramelch, and that is what happens later on in the story after Navel dies. Okay, now we're up to number six, who was the sixth of the Neviot. So it's Hulda. Okay, so just a little background of Hulda. This is the episode this we have from Malachim Bet, Parakhaf Bet, Pasak Yud Dalid, where uh, Ammon was the son of Menashe, both Menashe and Ammon being the kings of Yehuda. They were very bad kings. They did a lot of Avodah Zarah, and they did not allow Am Yisrael to even learn the Torah. They hid the Torah. So in the beginning of the reign of Yeshaya, we have Yeshaya ben Ammon, Right, so he was young. He's only eight years old. They found a scroll. They found a Torah scroll. They didn't know what to do with it. The mamish didn't even know that there was a Torah there. So in the beginning, they you have a few of these leaders. So to the pasuk, it says Dechsiv by Chul. It says Vayelech is in Parachaf Beis pasuk Yudalef Vayelech Chilkiyah Hakohen VeAchikam VeAchbor. So they went to Chulda to ask her what is the status of this sefer. What does it represent? They're learning about all these things that Akash Baruch Hu wants from them, and clearly they're not even doing them because nobody knew the Torah at the time. So then the Gemara asks, okay, so that implies that Hulda is a Nivia because uh, they asked her for guidance. So now the Gemara is bothered. Wait, <clears throat> at that time, Yermia was the real Navi. He was the prominent Navi. How could it be in the place of Yermia that she's going to prophesy in the place of Yermia? It's like a disrespectful thing to do. <clears throat> so Amre be Rav Mashmei Rav. So they said in the basement of Rav, in the name of Rav, that Hulda Kroivas Yermia Haisa. The truth is, Cholda was a relative of Yermia. I guess they had uh, prophets in the family. And Yermia was not so, um, he wouldn't object that, that she would receive a prophecy. He was okay with that. Okay. 
Then it says, Yoshia Gufe Hechi Shavik Yermia Umashadal Gaba. But then the question is, Yoshia, the um Yoshia, the uh the king at the time, how could it be that he would kind of like ignore Yermia, Shavik Yermia, he would leave aside Yermia and Mashadar Lagaba, and he would send you know, to get the answer to what's going on with this scroll to her. How could he do that? So Amr the Bay Rabbi Sheila. So it said in the base matters of Rabbi Sheila, why did Yoshia send to Hulda not Yermia Nashim Rahman saying it's because women are more compassionate. And that's why he was more comfortable to send the request and the question to Hulda. Could have been with Yermia, it could have been ended with, uh, and you're all going to be punished for not keeping the Torah, but maybe Chola would be more understanding. Okay. However, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan gives another answer. He says, Yermia, lo have hasam. The, tr- the reason why Yoshia didn't send to Yermia was because Yermia wasn't even there. Because at that time, Yermia, he went to bring back the 10 lost tribes that were exiled with Sancher of Melech Ashur. And the question is, how do we know that they were returned? How do we know that they were returned? That Yermia was able to bring these 10 tribes back? As it writes in Yechezkel, Paragzayin, Pasuk, Yod Gimel, it says, The one who sells his field, that which he sold, he, cannot, he should not return. That's what Yechezkel is saying. Now, this is referring to the Yovel, the Jubilee year, when um, <clears throat> at a time where the Yovel will not be in session because Am Yisrael will not be present in the land of Eretz Yisrael. It sounds like from this Gemara is that you need all of Am Yisrael, you need all the Shvatim to be there. If any of the Shvatim are in exile, then Yovel ceases to be in uh, in session. So, what's this Pasuk implying? Efshar, the Gemara asks, Efshar Yovel Batel Venavi Misnave Alav Shi Batel. Is it possible that the Yovel, that the 50th year and the laws that pertain to it, is already null and void, and yet the prophet, that being Yechezkel, is having prophecy that it will eventually be null and void? It sounds like Yechezkel is saying there will be in the future those who sell their fields will not return to their fields. That means Yovel will not be in place. What does this really mean? Elam Alam is this comes to teach us Shayirmia Hachziran that Yirmiya he brought back the ten tribes. So at the time of this prophecy of Yechezkel, where Yechezkel was the main navi during the, between the exile of uh, of Nebuchadnezzar and the destruction of of the first base of Migdash. But this does teach us that Yirmiya brought back the tribes, brought back the uh, the um, Aseris Shavatim. So that now, since they're all back, yes, Yovel is in place; it is intact. And then he's going he's giving the prophecy that yes, it's sadly in the future there won't be Yovel anymore. But at this moment, since Yirmiya brought back the the Shvatim, the Aseris Hashvatim, Yovel is in place. Okay, Yoshi and the Gemara says now Yoshiyahu ben Amon Melech Alehen. And the truth is Yoshiyahu ben Amon, even though he was a Melech of Yehuda. He was the king over them, over these ten shvatim that came back, even though these ten shvatim were really from Melech Yisrael. Melech Yisrael, and at the time, Yoshia, the Melech of Yehuda, was not the king over these shvatim, but now he is. Dechsev, as it writes, this is in Malachim Bet, Perech of Gimel, Pasuk Yud Zayin, it says, Vayomer Mahat Sion Halaz Asher Aniroe. As he said, what is this monument that I see? Vayomer love. they said to him, Anshe Ha'ir, the people of the city, Hakever Aishalokim. This is the the burial place of the man of God, Asher Bam Yehuda, who came from Yehuda. Vayikra Sadvarim Ha'ela Asher Asisa El Mizbech Beveis El. 
and they called these things, which um, which they did uh, towards the Mizbeach in Base El. So now Base El was not in the territory of Yehuda; it was in the territory of of Yisrael. So v'chimativo shel Yoshiyahu, Yoshiyahu al hamizbeach beveisel. What good is there by Yoshiyahu the Melech Yehuda by the altar in Beisel? Right, that's for the Melech Yisrael. So Ella melamish Yoshiyahu Melech Alehen. It shows us that at this time Yoshiyahu was king over them. It sounds like Yoshiyahu was king over all of Yisrael at that time. Okay. So now Rav Nachman Omar Mehacha. So Rav Nachman says it's from here that we know this. Gam Yehuda Shas Katsir Lecha Beshuve Shvu Sami. This is from Hoshea, Paragvav, Pasagir Aleph. Also in Yehuda, they appointed the harvest to you, Beshuve Shvu Sami, by the captives that have returned to, the, by, to my nation. So that also shows that at that time, he was like the king over everyone, even those that returned from captivity. Okay, now we're up to the seventh Nevi'ah, uh, Esther, right? And this, in a way, brings us back to Esther. Okay, so it says, Dixiv, as it writes by Esther. This is in Esther, Parakeh, Pasuk, Aleph. It says, Vahib, Yom Ashlishi, Vatilbash, Esther, Malchus. And it was on the seventh and the third day, and Esther wore royalty. So, Big Day Malchus, Mi so the Gemara says, did they have to teach us that she wore the clothing of royalty? She was the queen. Ella, rather, what is this coming to teach us? She lavashta ruach hakodesh. That she it was, she was draped or she was wearing, so to speak, the spirit, the whole, the ruach hakodesh, divine intervention. Ksiv hacha, as it writes here, vatilbash. It says here vatilbash, right? That she wore. Uchsiv hasam, and it writes over there in Divrei Hayamim Aleph Parak Yud Beis Pasuk Yud Tes. It says Veruach Lavsha Es Amasai that the spirit was dressed Amasai that he like he wore the spirit. So you see Lovesh and Tilbash. So you have wearing clothing in this in this context. It means they were wearing Mamash Nevuah. They had the spirit of Hashem upon them. Amar of Nachman. So Rav Nachman says Lo Yehei. He said, it's not befitting. It's not nice. Haughtiness, arrogance for women. It's not good if women have uh, yuhara, this haughtiness. There were two women that had this uh, arrogance and their and their shamayu, their names were loathsome. They were like hated, they were disliked. One of their names was Zibursa, which means like a bee or a hornet. And one of them was referred to as a weasel. Who's this talking about? Zibursa, that's Devora. Devora is a bee. And one, his name is Chulda. Uh, Chulda is a Karkush. It's a weasel. They had these names which were, which were hated. But you have to prove that they were, they showed disrespect or they showed a level of arrogance or gaiva, haughtiness. So Zibursa Ksivba. So how do we know that Zibursa, that being Devora, what does it write by her? It writes in Shoftim, Perek, Dalit, Pasuk, Dalit. It writes, Vatishlach, Vatikra, Lebarak. And she sent and she called it to Barak. But she herself didn't go to him to send out. So you saw that there was like this hardiness, like she just sent out to send to Barak. And then Karkushta, how do we know that Karkushta, that being Chulda, what does it write by her? It writes by her, Amru Leish. She said, This is Malachim Bet 
it says that she said she said to the man and she didn't say go and say to the king she called Yoshio the man and not the king that's very disrespectful so Amr of Nachman so Rav Nachman said, Chulda mi b'nei banam shal Yehuda haisa, shal Yehoshua haisa. So Rav Nachman says that Chulda, she was actually from a descendant of Yehoshua, Yehoshua ben Nun haisa, ksiv hacha, because it writes over here, ben cherchas, it writes by Chulda melachim bet chaf bet yodal ben chorchas, that was, uh, she was the grand, granddaughter of the chorchas, uksiv hacha, and it writes over there by Yehoshua, betimnas uh, cheres, it writes, this is, um, the Gemara says it's quoting Yoshua Parachaf Dalid. The truth is, however, that this, in in Parachaf Dalid, it says, Betimnas uh, Serach, it says it a little differently. Here it says Cheres, which is more quoting from a Pasuk in Shoftim. Let me just get where this Pasuk is. It's Shoftim Bet. Tet, okay, but Tinas Cheres. So we have Charchas and Cheres. You see, it's kind of a similar name that they came from really the same place, okay, but Tinas Cheres, and she was a Ben Charchas. Okay, ACV. So we have a question though on this teaching of Rav Nachman. ACV Rav Ina Sabal Rav Nachman. So Rav Ina, who was the Zaidi of Rav Nachman, he said, Shmona Nevi'im Mehem Kohanim Yatsume Rechev Hazona Ve'Eluhin. There were eight Nevi'im, which were Kohanim. And they came from Rachav, who was a, a prostitute. This is from the beginning of Sefer Yoshua, from Yericho, that she was the only one that was saved because she allowed the spies to stay by her. Ba'elein, who were they? They were Niria, Baruch, Bisaria, Machsia, Yermia, Chalkia, Chanmal, and Veshalom. So these eight. Now what happens? Rabbi Yehuda Omer. Rabbi Yehuda says, Av Chulda. Rabbi Yehuda said, Even Chulda. So Rabbi Yudah says, no, even Chulda was a descendant of Rachav the Zona. So how do we know this? Ksiv Hachaz writes here, Ben Tikva. If you go down the, the uh, descendants of Chulda, you see that it says Ben Tikva, the son of Tikva. And then Ksiv Hasam, it writes over there, by Rachav, in the story of Yoshua and Perak Bet Pasigilches, it says, as Tikvas Chut Hashani, that the cord of the uh, the scarlet thread, which was like the sign that her her house would not be destroyed when Yericho was destroyed. So you see this idea, this comparing of tikva and a tikvas, and it shows that Rachav had this like tikvat, and when you call ben tikva, it shows that it's really referring to like the family of Rachav, and therefore you see that, oh my gosh, Chulda is really descendant of Rachav and maybe none of Yoshua. So Amar Leh, so Rav Nachman, he responds to Rav Ina. He says, Ina Saba, Ina, my, my Zaidi. Amar Leh, Pasya Uchman. Some say that he called him Pasya Mucha, which means like the black vessel, which only means that he was... Uh, he was so involved in learning Torah that he got he, he kind of lost his complexion or he got dirty in a way based on the amount of time that he put into his Amelis Batorah. But what does Rav Nachman say to Ina, his Saba? He says, Mini uminach, from me and from you, tistayim shemaya. So we're going to answer the issue here. Di'igaira v'nasva Yehoshua. Because the truth is that Rachav, she converted and she married Yehoshua. So if you're going to say that there's a descendant of Rachav, if you say Chulda is a descendant of Rachav, that's also going to be a descendant of Yehoshua. And then the question is, Umi zara Yehoshua? The question though is, did Yehoshua really have any children? Doesn't it write in Divrei Hayamim Aleph, Parak Zayin Pasuk Chav Zayin, 
doesn't it write nun beno at the end of the family tree of Ephraim? It writes nun beno, nun his son, Yehoshua beno, Yehoshua was his son. It doesn't go, it doesn't say anything after that, so it does seem to imply that he had no children. So the more answer is beni lo benasan he didn't have any sons, but he did have a daughter. He did have daughters. And one of his daughters, Gemara is saying, according to Rav Nachman, was Chulda. And Chulda came from Yehoshua and Rachav. Okay, we will stop here. Yasher Koach.